Jade Software presents Beta and Beyond, the RegTech Modernization Podcast. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us on the show. This is Michael Howard, your host. This episode is one for directors, or at least for those preparing to speak to them. We'll be talking governance and the five essential things worth knowing to help directors effective govern, effectively govern an agile organization, a way of working that is synonymous with technology projects. Today on the show, we have Liz McGuire. Welcome, Liz. Hi, Michael. Thanks for having me. No worries. As a bit of an introduction, Liz, you've worked in the financial services sector for your whole career, from Westpac, Lloyd's TSB, and Amex in the 90s, a considerable stint at ANZ from the 2000s until last year, and then the better half of a year at TSB recently. The last five years have been in chief digital transformation and innovation roles. So reflecting on your journey in the financial services, how has Agile changed the industry, how it works and what it can achieve? Well, firstly, Michael, the the concept of Agile is not a new concept, right? Like I think it's been around for over 20 years, mm-hmm. but it's it just took a while for um, for technology companies, non, non-native tech companies to um, get used to the idea and then it took even longer for it to go outside of technology and digital into the broader organization so um, not a new thing but very much flavor of the month and the, the thing that's underlying it really is the fact that you get better results from your projects when you use an agile framework than if you use say the you know the traditional waterfall approach mm-hmm. that that most companies were used to and most people know this, of course, Michael, but the the difference between Agile and Waterfall is really Agile's an iterative approach where you get to see what, what the team's working on at regular checkpoints as it's being delivered. And um, as opposed to Waterfall, where there's a whole lot of documentation and design up front, and then people go away and develop it and test it. And then maybe a year down the track, the users actually get to see what it is that the thing was that the team were working on. And so Obviously, the number one reason why you'd want to use Agile is so that you can make sure that what you are delivering is really what your users need, and much easier to do that as as you're going through an iterative process than than wait till at the very end. So Agile's become a really hot topic in the market at the moment because um, lots of organisations are taking Agile outside of their digital and technology. Um, areas and making their, their head offices usually um, agile and which means reorganizing around um, small smaller teams putting all the people you need within the team that um, you you need to get the particular work done uh, looking at at the how you know, the real basics of how work gets delivered within your organization. And lots of big companies and small companies are changing their organizational structures at the moment to, to be more agile. Yeah, no, it's amazing to think um, 20 years or so that concept's been around, but it's only now that the whole organization is starting to embrace it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think there's um I think there's a lot more learning to go around there because mm-hmm. um in my experience, there's, um, you know, there's there's organisations that do agile, which I would say with a little a, and there's organisations that do agile with a big a, and really understanding what is right for you and doing it properly. You know, mm. just because you say you're agile doesn't mean you're doing it properly and you're getting the benefits from it. For sure. Yeah, cool. 
So execs have been having discussions around agile software delivery for some time. And as we've just talked about, it's permeating now throughout the whole organization. There have been lots of leadership pieces on the subject too, but there's been little published from a governance perspective. So before we begin, can you summarize the key areas that boards need to grasp and grapple with to help them govern an agile organization? Yeah, absolutely. Before I start, the probably the other thing to point out is, unlike most roles in on in an organisation, there there usually isn't someone on the board who's had really hands-on experience with this. So if you think about other organisational changes that happen, there's usually someone on the board who's been a CEO when that's happened before at another organisation, or you know the, they've run a particular part of the business. And so there's expertise already implemented in the board. Because uh, chief digital officers are relatively new roles, agile is a relatively new thing, you tend to get a lot less um, a, a lot less knowledge at that board level than what you might have got in the past with organisational change. And so that's really my first point around mm. what's what's the most important thing when you're governing an agile organisation is that you should know the basics. And if you haven't had experience um, in an agile, in, in any kind of agile ways of working, then you, then you should get some training. And it's not, I'm not talking about being an agile expert, but at least know the basics and the um, the, the, the fundamental part of the philosophy and what that therefore means about how you're going to interact with the organisation. So that would be my first one. The second one is understand how agile your organization actually is. And so we've talked about this big A, which means that you're really full on doing doing um, agile um, in a very disciplined way. And then there's little A, which might just be you have some ways of working that lend themselves to more um, uh, agile behaviors than what you did before. And you might have big agile in some parts of your organization typically it's in the project delivery digital technology areas um, or you might have it across all your organization you need to know as a director you need to know exactly where it is and what it's being used for I think sure. that's a, a good conversation to have the third one um, is and obviously there's a role of a, the one of the roles of directors is to manage risk um, in the organization uh, on behalf of the shareholders. And so there's a really important conversation, I think, around how does risk management work with an agile methodology? Mm -hmm. And the the hint the hint here is the answer is if the if the answer is oh it's not any different, then that's the wrong answer and you need to dig into this in more detail. This I think this still seems to be a little bit of an underlying view that agile means less discipline in an organization. And actually in my experience it means more discipline. Mm -hmm. And so how does the how does that project discipline and the any risk management that you put around that, how like how do they work together? That's a really important question for a board to be asking their, their management team. Sure. Um, Similar to that, the project management disciplines. So how do um, key deliverables and metrics, you know, the key metrics, how do they get tracked? How do they get reported on? Um, what's different about the reporting that you had in that old non-agile way that, to how you have it now? How does um, your in, 
your capital investments? How do they get managed with an ag- with an agile delivery? Like understanding that sort of stuff, I think is important too. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One, because you genuinely actually need to know how your big um, agile investments are are delivering, obviously. Um, and then secondly, so that you can um, understand the how you and how you and the the board interacts with management and make sure that you're not asking for things that they just don't have yet because of an agile framework. So so for example, um, the you know, like if you think about a digital roadmap, mm. the it's really hard for people running agile digital teams to be actually definitively able to say, yes, this is the thing we're going to be working on in 12 months time. And yes, these are the benefits that are definitely going to come out of it. And so if the board is asking for that kind of surety, then then it, like it's really difficult to do. And so sometimes the board is going to have to change its expectations. Yep. Um, and then so the last thing in my five things is really just checking in with your leaders um, and making sure that they're prepared to think about how they will support a rollout rollout of an agile methodology across their organisation. And so, one of the things that I've learned over you know many years of being a leader and um, with of agile teams is how you work as an executive has to change. It unquestionably has to change because otherwise you become a bottleneck for for your agile team. So, you know, being much more um, accessible is really really important. For as as one small example, and some making sure that as a director that your management team are thinking about what agile, what an agile rollout means for them and how they're going to walk the talk around it is um, is an important discussion to have too. Okay, sounds like we've got some um, more that we can dig in um, on those five points. So um, I think we may, let, let's do that. Um, so not that I'm expecting you to cover everything, but what are some of those basic concepts of agile um, that the governance, those in governance, should understand? Um, well, so the first thing I'm going to say is Agile is a little bit like a weird religion, right? <laughs> it certainly can seem a bit like a weird religion. Um, and the and like, like literally there was a bunch of guys who went to a mountain and spent some time on a mountain and came back with a philosophy, the Agile Manifesto, which you can Google. Um, and and the ceremonies that are attached to it, and yeah, so from the outside it can seem a little bit weird, <laughs> um, which is why I say it's really important for directors to understand some to understand some of the terms and understand some of the basics. But but here's my um, beginner's guide. It's really actually, and we've talked about this already. It's about delivering iterative working software very frequently, mm. as opposed to, and and. With the Agile Manifesto, they talk about um, working software uh, over um, uh, paper, over you know written designs. And then back in the old waterfall days, you'd you'd spend six months writing giant business requirements documents, and then you'd give them to tech, and then tech would eventually deliver them. Um, there is no giant business requirements within an Agile um, philosophy. So what you're doing is you've got a small team of people, the kind, all the people that you need to be successful with this particular um, initiative that you're working on, that they work, they work together, they meet frequently. There's a huge amount of transparency about process, and they're delivering ideally working software every couple couple of weeks or mm. 
if it's not software related, um, you know, some some noticeable change in whatever it is that that they're working on. Um, there and there's a bunch of there's some jargon that's tied up with their Joel, which is um, maybe I'll just talk about a couple of the um, the highlights. So people talk about sprints. Sprints mm -hmm. is just the cycle of time that the team are going to work on a particular piece of work that they've agreed to work on. Um, and teams, because we're trying to get empowered teams, teams will decide what the right sprint cadence is for them. But generally, I've seen like two weeks seems seems to be the norm. And so um, the team will go. These are the these are the things that we're going to do in the in the sprint. And um, they'll work on them for the sprint. They'll, during that sprint, for the, let's say the fortnight, they'll have a daily stand-up. Um, at the end of the sprint, they'll have some sort of retrospective where they look back at what they've delivered. And uh, will we'll ideally ask themselves some questions around, you know, have we been working on the right things? Could we have add, could we have added more value? What's getting in our way? That's, that sort of stuff. So a sprint is a very common term um, in Agile. And then probably the other ones is you'll hear a talk, people talking about Scrum and people talking about Kanban, and it's essentially just different ways, people talking about safe, different ways of doing Agile, um, which relate to different tools that help with how you manage the work as it goes mm. through. And so directors don't need to know about that sort of stuff, but um, it's certainly useful to just get some of those, get some of those fundamentals um, under your belt. Yeah, cool. Um, just thinking about that, um, you need to basically uh, replace whole teams or like what level of upskilling can um, can current uh, the, the current workforce undergo to um, to bring about all this yeah and, so, and and I think it depends on what roles people have in teams hmm. so that so my advice on this is always get some experts who have done it before. So if your organisation hasn't done Agile before, don't just try and figure it out yourself. Get an expert in, and there are plenty of Agile coaches, um, Scrum Masters, people with Agile experience from really good places um, around in the market, and they will make a, an enormous difference. And having an Agile coach is really useful for an organisation because they work with your team to help your team do Agile in a better way sure. and it can be any kind of team it doesn't have to be a tech team I had when I was at ANZ and I moved my leadership team to um, a more agile way of managing the work that we did we got a coach in to help us and to give us feedback and it, it really made a big difference so definitely get experts in mm. send people on there are there are key roles in your um, organization that need to, to know and be very comfortable with Agile. So product owners is one of them. Um, Scrum Masters is another. Um, definitely make sure you've sent them on courses and that they've had, that they've got, if they haven't already got that experience, that you're building that experience as well. Mm. And cool. actually, and probably the third one I'd add in is you make sure that your leaders and your sponsors of projects know what's expected of them and know how Agile should work as well. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Good advice. So you've worked in financial services for most of your career um, and are well versed in the appetite or lack thereof of projects that carry with them high degrees of uncertainty, whether that's perceived or actual. actual. Uh, from your experience, what are some risk management best practices that help organisations with agile projects? I think that... Um... The, the most important thing, I think, if you are, like, certainly in financial services and, and many other industries have 
risk management people within their businesses, right? And so if if you have a risk management person, you want them to be embedded in your agile process from the the day you start doing discovery on the new thing you're working through. So so the what you don't want to do and and um this also applies to kind of legal and compliance type skills as well. You don't want to go through a whole agile process and then just before you're ready to launch it to your customers, then go, oh, we better think about risk and compliance and legal and make sure that everything's, you know, going to be good. You you actually want that right embedded right from the word go. Mm. And um, one of the best ways I've seen in terms of how you manage agile deliveries and um, and obviously with Agile, you have a lot more frequent deliveries than what you would have with Waterfall, is that you agree with your risk people that you've that some guardrails, and actually you might just do this with your steering committee if you don't have in-house risk people, but some guardrails and you say, so if if this we're working on this thing and it meets XYZ criteria, and then we all agree that that's low risk and that can just carry on down in the normal process like we would normally do. Mm. But if it's got ABC, then we'll agree that that's medium risk or high risk. And so it then needs to shoot off here for an extra piece of whatever. So it, which mm. might be um, it needs legal advice or it might be, um, you know, we we would want someone to we want to have do some extra checking around the testing output of this thing, you know. So having just agreeing up front some guardrails about where you're going to go and then um, making sure that so, so that things that the majority of things can flow quite smoothly, but that you really are catching things that are going to be potentially high risk for your organization. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, I used to also like doing a, ses- a thing that I call a Henny Penny session, which is actually to get all the projects, you know, like Henny Penny and the sky is going to fall on your head, um, that get all the people involved with the project together and be as pessimistic as possible and really get it out on the table what if this goes wrong, what if this goes wrong, and then have plans for the for the realistic ones. Um, that's that's a really useful yeah. <laughs> approach for, for pulling out some of those risk issues too. And just reflecting on that then, were there times where you did see some of those risks um, actually play out and um, you were able to pull out that playbook and uh, yes, we got it covered? Yeah, yeah, like definitely, mm. absolutely. And some of them are quite extreme. Yeah. Like the, the, um, with um, my colleagues at TSB, we've just been doing one and it was like, well, what if the, you know, what if Mount Taranaki ex- explodes? What if there's a vol- volcanic eruption? But like actually, you know, having disaster recovery plans are a really actually good idea Mm. for big organizations yeah yeah i think over the last 18 months we all um well appreciate those exactly totally cool um so extending on from this then how can boards increase the confidence they have in their transformation journey how can key deliverables and metrics best be tracked um the I think the important thing for boards is to take a track me, don't trust me approach to projects, right? So that so we talked about it's really hard for agile projects to know exactly what they're going to be doing in a year's time. Mm. But they are going to know, um, they're definitely not going to know what they're doing in the next quarter. And then they're going to be a little bit less certain for the quarter after and a little bit less certain for the quarter after that, you, you know. And so the... Um, I think at a very high level going, 
what does that indicative roadmap look like for this project? And then, you know, please come and tell us monthly how you're going against that indicative roadmap. I think that's that's an important thing. Um, the second thing is if that there are there are there's methodologies within Agile that you can use. So every piece of work is a, you know tends to be assigned story points. So the the development teams will go well, we think it's this much effort in order to deliver this piece of work. And so you can ask as a board, if you've got a big piece of work going on, to for some sort of burn down chart of how many story points are left to deliver and how are you tracking and what's your cadence each um, fortnight around that. So if you really want to know, if you really want to get into the detail of that, it's prob that's probably more for a steering committee than mm. for a board. Um, and then the other thing I think is, so one of the really fundamental differences about Agile if you if you are really doing it in a pure way, is it's up to the team to decide what they're actually going to work on at any point in time. So you say to, to your team, the mission for your team is, like, let's say it might be customer acquisition. And then the team has to go, well, here's, what's going to move the dial on customer acquisition? Um, and then let's work on that. And so from a board perspective, the, the thing you really should be tracking is, is the dial moving on customer acquisition? Is that number going up ra yeah, sure. rather than exactly what is it that have they delivered every fortnight? Yeah. Uh, so it's having that North Star is, is vital. Yeah, exactly. And probably the one other thing to point out is with agile projects, they tend to have, you know, they, they tend to be fixed around schedule and budget. So, um, so, you, so the board will have allocated a budget. It will be for this many people and this many teams, and you're expecting them to deliver something every fortnight. So the only thing that can change really is the scope of the of the project. And so again, that's why I say keep an eye on what's that indicative roadmap look like, and are they getting through the scope, or is thing are things moving from from one quarter to another? That's another way to go um, to, to understand are they really doing the work that you need them to do. Unfortunately, organisations who flip to agile ways of working do take a temporary productivity hit, but as we know, the benefits far outweigh the initial downturn. So through the implementation process, execs play a key role in determining how smooth that transition is. From your experience, Liz, how can boards enable their leaders to support and deliver on their agile aspirations? Um, I think so this, so for me, there's a couple of things. One is um, the one is real. So we talked a bit about really understanding how agile is going to be used in your organisation, mm. and um, the there's a subset of that which is understand how you are going to transition to agile and make sure that you're protecting your business as you do so. So so quite a few large companies that have done agile transformation, um, it's taken a long time to recover from it. They've done, you know, they've done a kind of big bang, everybody's moved to agile and it's had, you know, I saw one organization where um, a lot of the subject matter experts left because mm. of the change. And actually that then meant that they had, you know, they had real issues around revenue because they didn't have people who actually knew how to, how, 
organization made money essentially mm. right so from a board perspective i so there's definitely a an, an un, you need to get to an understanding of if you are transitioning to you know real wholesale agile ways of working making sure you're supporting your leaders to make decisions about that transition which doesn't damage your organization you know for two or three years i think that's really really mm-hmm. important and the second one is um we talked a little bit about understanding whether your leaders are able to step up and um lead your know, agile ways of working that that it's more i think more than just having a good working knowledge of how how you should lead in an agile environment it's actually walking the talk mm-hmm. because 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 um, you know how um you know, senior executives and organisations are so visible and it's, you know, people rightly or wrongly interpret what they what they see them doing as being, you know, what's important, what's important to them. And so is your is your leader walking the talk around agile ways of working? Are they, um, like I said before, are they making themselves accessible? Are they thinking about how they interact with agile teams? Are they running their own leadership team in an agile way? Are they... Um, encouraging the kinds of tools that the organisation needs in order to be successful in Agile. There's, um, I think there's there's an absolute, there's a whole lot of stuff around there. And then ultimately it's, are they being, you know, champions for that change? That's that's ultimately the, the question. Because um, it doesn't matter how good your Agile changes, if your people leaders are not stepping up and leading it will become much more difficult than mm. you know than it needs to be. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, and there's obviously a lot of um, sort of people changing job security worries around the whole move to agile as way. Well. Are there any ways from that perspective that boards can help um, their leaders? Well, I think, and and you know, and boards always obviously have to be careful not to to step into management's job. Mm. But I think it, it's again asking those questions and around you know how are we supporting the people through change? How are we you know are we giving them resilience training? Are we um, how can we role model staff? Have you piloted this so you really understand? The problems that you're trying to solve, and how can you talk, you know, talk to the broader organisation about that? I think it's those kinds of questions that mm. would be, you know, being and above all, being interested in what the impact is on the people in their organisation. That's absolutely critical. Mm. Um, and you know, I think, I think too it, that that being interested can also mean visiting with teams in the organisation and understanding on the ground, you know, what what it should be like. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, are there any final pieces of wisdom you'd like to impart on this topic before we wrap? The, I'm not. It's not a. It's not a piece of wisdom, but just <laughs> to say, if you are thinking about becoming more agile, then I think you should totally do it. Right. Like I would. I would never um go back to an old to a waterfall way of doing things. It is definitely without question more efficient and more effective. And actually, more enjoyable for teams to organise mm-hmm. in an agile way. But just make sure that you're putting the support around your people, and that you're giving them the learning and the the training that they need, so that it can be successful. And yeah, and good luck if you're doing it, because because yeah, it'll be great. 
Okay, I just had one more point on that then. Um, what risk is there in terms of being able to attract um, new high-performing talent into an organisation is there if a, an organisation isn't going agile? No, oh, you just won't, I don't think. So, mm. I mean, particularly in the tech world, like it's it's with the borders closed for COVID at the moment, it's just craziness anyway in terms of recruiting people. Mm. And, um, yeah, people are not going to, People are not going to work in a an environment which feels old school, and you know, they, like it, it. It's literally, yeah. The world has moved on. If you if you are not doing agile ways of working, then you will not be. Um, you certainly won't be attracting talent. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, actually, what will probably maybe you might be attracting talent, and then they'll get in there and they'll go, "What? What do you mean? What do you mean? I've got to write this big requirements document?" And then you'll lose them. Yeah, that's yeah. actually probably the more the more likely thing because I think most people wouldn't think to ask about that these days, right? It would just be assumed. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And that could potentially waste three to six months of. Um, oh yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks so much for joining us on the show today, Liz. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. That's all right. Can I do a Can I do a small plug? You can indeed. <laughs> so I so I blog every week about stuff for stuff to help digital transformation leaders, things that I've experienced in my career, and you can find that blog at um, fivepoints.co.nz, and that's five f i v e points.co.nz. Thanks. Thanks for the plug. <laughs> no worries. That's no, been very, um, very uh, beneficial and uh, informative. So um, I'm sure others listening out there would have found that too. So thanks everyone else for joining us today. I hope you've um, also found this discussion useful. And we'll see you on the next episode of Beta and Beyond. Bye.